0: Our scripture reading this morning is going to come from the book of 1 Chronicles in chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. So short and sweet, uh, two verses, and uh, they'll be on the screen there. But if you want to have a moment to locate 1 Chronicles and read along on your own, you're welcome to do that as well. And we'll seek to, to receive from God's Word in a moment. I'm reading now, starting at verse 9. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. May God bless her understanding this reading from his word. Well, there's an old illustration I stumbled upon a while back, but it, uh, it go, talks about uh, a couple getting ready for church one morning, but uh, the woman and her husband, and her husband's he's, he's not really feeling it that day. He's feeling a little stubborn. And, uh, you know, he says, you know what? I am sure I have heard a thousand, maybe 2,000 sermons in all my time going to church with you. And, you know, I think I, I hardly remember anything from any of them. So, you know, maybe what's the point? Maybe we should just not, you know, not worry about it today. And his wife thought about that one for a minute. And then she, she had a couple questions for him in return. And she said, you know, in our life together, how many meals have you eaten that I made? And he wasn't sure where that one was going, but he did the math in his head. And he said, well, that's got to be several tens of thousands probably, like a lot. And she said, and how many of those meals do you remember? And he confessed that he only had distinct memories of perhaps a couple of those, a small number of those on special occasions. And she said, And what would have happened to you if you hadn't eaten any of those meals? Just because you don't remember something doesn't mean it didn't do you any good or that you didn't need it. And he got dressed and he went to church. Today and for the next couple of weeks, we're going to focus on prayer and look closely at some of the powerful prayers in the Bible. And if you've been around church for a while, you've listened to your fair share of sermons about prayer, I imagine. It's likely come up a few times. But as I said when I was preaching on love back in December, a lot of what we need as followers of Jesus are good reminders and encouragement, reminders of the things that are most important to our faith, reminders to live out our faith more fully, God helping us. And so I don't know how much you'll remember exactly about what I'll say today, you know, later today or in a week or in a month or certainly in a year, but that also doesn't mean that it won't do any good or nourish your spiritual life if you choose to do something with it according to God's leading. So I will do my part as best I know how. God always does his part. And if you want to find a blessing and gain something good in these next few weeks, then you will consider how to do your part as well. Being here, asking for God's help to hear what he wants to say, choosing ways to respond and coming back to those things through the week might be some good places to start with that. And so to start off this focus on prayer for a few weeks, I picked uh, a part in, uh, in the Bible that's very, very short, just two verses attributed to someone named Jabez. And I don't think anyone... Had heard of Jabez until this best selling book came out a while back called The Prayer of Jabez, and that became an international bestseller. And I have not read it, so I have no idea if what I'm going to say matches what's in the book or not. But, uh, but I thought I could start here because this prayer is very simple. And simple is good when it comes to prayer. Jesus had no patience for religious people who like to stand on the street corners of Jerusalem and give these long, ornate prayers to draw attention to themselves. He counseled that prayer was best done in private, where we come before God really without any more words than are necessary. And so in prayer, we should be trying really to drop any pretense, because God knows exactly who we are, and exactly what we've done, and exactly what we need. There's no bargaining that we can do. The way I read my Bible, what God is looking for in prayer is a posture of humility and trust from us. And so when we come to him, we're acknowledging that he is God, we are not in control, and we're looking to increase our trust, to open ourselves up to guidance. Maybe we're there to pour our, se- pour our hearts out in grief or anger. But always acknowledging our need for God in that, as our creator. And you can pray without uttering a single word. You can pray without forming a single coherent thought in your mind. Because sometimes prayer is simply a posture of the heart and that awareness of, of God we keep with us as we go about our day. But we do have words that we can look at from this passage this morning, so we're going to explore those a bit now. And it's my practice, whether you know, people enjoy those extra couple minutes or not, to try to always give some context to a passage I preach on. So you have a sense of what's going on, what might this have meant to the people who were involved or the people who would have read this early on. But there really isn't much to do about that in this, uh, this case, because these are two verses just dropped into a chapter that's totally devoted to the genealogy of the tribe of Judah. So someone, I don't know if they thought that you were going to get bored reading about who begot who, and they just said, and by the way, here's this cool guy who had this interesting prayer, now back to history. But that's, it's just a free-floating passage. There's no, no connection to what comes before or after. But someone wanted us to know about Jabez and The little bit we know is, first of all, he was more honorable than his brothers. So I don't know if his brothers were particularly honorable or not, but he was more honorable than them. And his name meant, I gave birth to him in pain. Or that's one way to translate it. The implication is that he is a pain causer. Okay, not necessarily just to his mother either. And right off the bat, the name is important because especially in that time and culture, names held a lot of meaning. A name explained to people who you were, and so it was assumed that you were going to live up to your name. And you see this with other biblical figures. Jacob is a great example. His name implied that he was a schemer, and that's exactly how he acted for most of his life until this very strange encounter and wrestling match with God changed him, and God gave him this new name, Israel. Well, Jabez has a tough name to go through life with. As, you know, a causer of pain. And so that's, that's not really what you want to be saddled with. That would have affected how people saw him. It would have affected how he saw himself. And this prayer reflects this aspect of who he is. And so we'll look at those, those two sentences and what goes into that. So we'll just do them one after the other. The first half is says, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. And it's not perfectly clear whether he wants to physically expand the borders of his territory or if he's speaking more figuratively, but there's a hint that suggests that it's the second one. because The verse begins with Jabez crying out, to the God of Israel. And I think it's specific in saying that. It's not just God, it's the God of Israel, it's the true God in a time when many people turned to idols and did not follow the God of Israel. And so one interpretation here is that he wants to expand his influence for the sake of pointing people back to the God of Israel. And I think he asks to be blessed for the sake of God's kingdom rather than this simply being a prayer for God, give me more stuff, please. The second thing he says is, let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And I think that word pain coming right out of his name is important here. But first, let your hand be with me. So, I mean, that speaks to the posture. When one of my kids asks me to hold their hand, that's an expression of vulnerability and trust, right? They're they're scared or they want reassurance or they just want to be kept safe while doing something. And so Jabez reaches for God's hand to keep him from harm, to keep him from evil. He recognizes there are all kinds of ways for him to mess things up if he lives life on his own terms instead of God's way. And that's exactly what his name suggests he will do. But he pushes back from that expectation when he says, keep me from evil so that I will be free from pain. And I think he's asking God to keep him from evil that will harm himself, but also that would cause harm or bring pain on others. Because it's not, it's not the expanding influence he wants. That's not the legacy he wants to lead. He looks to God to help him to be much more than his name implies. So this is a prayer of God's, seeking God's blessing in order to bless others. It's about receiving what you need from God for the sake of pointing others to God. And it asks to be kept from harm or evil, both for your sake, but especially for the sake of others. So it's a very good prayer for someone who wants to be a a righteous and honorable example that others can look to. Especially if those people maybe don't expect much from you. So what can we learn from this prayer? What can we do with that? And I want to draw two main things out of this prayer for today. And the first goes back to that name, which is so important here. Now, in our culture, we don't assume as much about people based on their name. Now, most people's, you know, people's names have meanings. Most of us don't know what other people's names mean. Some of us don't know what our own names mean, like the meaning behind them. You look at it sometimes when you're picking out baby names, but sometimes not even. So that's, that's a little different for us. My name means from the valley of the boar. You know, what does that say about me? Not really anything, I don't think. <laughs> unless, it's, unless it's about how, how long-winded I can be. But that's, you know, but it's B-O-A-R, boar, like pig. So anyway, now we, don't, we don't make a lot of assumptions about that. Uh, the only time that really comes up is if someone has like a really, really creative name, and then we, we wonder what's going on there. I was reading this week about a pair of twins who were born in the pandemic, and their parents named them COVID and Corona. That's a good one. And there are other famous examples. There's one, there's a kid out there somewhere in this world named ABCDE, and the parents thought it could be pronounced absidy, but I don't know. There's, there's a Facebook out there, there's a hashtag walking around in this world. There's a, a girl named Shelly, but instead of a regular S, it's a dollar sign. Like there's just, the list goes on and on out there, and it kind of shows that maybe some of these European countries that have a list of names you have to pick from might, have, might be onto to something. But one of those names, all that really tells us is your parents had poor judgment or unresolved issues. It doesn't really tell us anything about you. And that's different from someone assuming that you are dishonest or you are scheming or you are violent or you are foolish based on your name. We don't use names for that, but we still make these kinds of assumptions about people in other ways. If you come from a messed up family, if you come from a bad part of town, if you are from the wrong people group according to whoever you're engaging with. If you speak in the wrong way, you can be treated very differently in our world. And I think Jabez's prayer offers some hope for anyone who has struggled against that, other people's negative assumptions or their low expectations, or against their own fears that they just don't measure up, or maybe, I, maybe, I can't, maybe I'm doomed to be just like the place I came from. And Jabez is burdened with this identity of someone who causes pain, but he brings that to God and he says, I don't have to be what my mother named me. I want to be who you created me to be. So give me influence to use for your glory. Stay close to me so I can avoid evil and defy people's expectations, to break free from their prejudice, from their prejudging of me. So that's a word right there, I think, for anyone who's ever been told in one way or another that they won't amount to anything, or they can't do anything right, or that they're doomed to repeat their family history or the mistakes of their past, because these are lies. Breaking harmful patterns is not easy. It is not best done alone. But God is bigger than your name. God did not create you to be doomed to let evil get the better of you. Our God gives second chances and redemption and new life. And so Jabez said, give me your hand, Father. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from harm so that I can be free from pain. And then we see what happens, you know, or at least it tells us that God granted his request. That's the whole thing that we hear about what happened there. That the God of all, the creator of the universe, the giver and sustainer of life, listened to what this man, one man, had to say and chose to give him what he asked for. And why wouldn't God give you what you ask for if it is an equally worthy thing to ask? If you actually want freedom from your brokenness and to serve God in this world, why wouldn't God give his yes to that? But if you're going to ask, be ready to make the different choices that come with belonging to Jesus. And that moves us into the second thing I think I'd like to pull out of this for today which is that, that Jabez is important in that he has a vision for who he wants to be as someone who depends on God. And I don't think that's super common. I don't think most people have a strong sense of vision of who they are seeking to be. Many of us are kind of caught in the flow of life. We're just doing whatever circumstances and desires pull them toward. But Jabez has his sights set on being a certain kind of person, a person who does a certain kinds of things. And he knows what kind of person he would be if he lived up to his name. He'd be someone who is led into sin and evil and causes pain to others. And to avoid this, he prays that God would help him live up to a different and better vision of who he can be. He wants to be someone who's blessed by God, who depends on God, who walks carefully to avoid sin and evil. Someone who's not a source of pain to others, but is an example that points to the goodness of God. All of this in one little prayer. that gives maybe a second word for anyone who can sometimes lose sight of who they're meant to be. We can get overwhelmed, we can get distracted, or in many other ways, just stop paying attention or caring that who we are is what matters most. More than our jobs, more than our homes, more than our successes, more than our bank balances, or any of the other things that we cannot take with us when these present lives are through. What we do take with us is ourselves, who we are. And Jabez has a good vision for who he should be. He asked for God's help to become that man so that he can bless others. So, do we need a reminder of the vision that we should have for ourselves? Now, unlike Jabez, we have some huge advantages in this. We've been given the gift of knowing what sort of people we ought to be because we have, you know, we have the New Testament, we have uh, the example of Christ before us. Have a sense of who Jesus is in order to learn to trust and depend on God utterly as we saw him do. Carry out God's mission courageously. Demonstrate godly character even when the pressure is on. We've got a lot more scripture to work with than Jabez did. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted because of their righteousness. He taught us to love our enemies. He proved how serious he was when he asked God to forgive the very people crucifying him. And the Apostle Paul gives a handy list of the character that grows from living out of faith in Christ, a vision we could set for ourselves of being people of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. And God's Spirit inspired him to tell us that the, the best vision for us is to be servants like Jesus was. To read from the letter to the Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being, excuse me, in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So we can take this prayer as a general request to God to keep us from harm and help us do good, or we can take this prayer as a plea to God to help us overcome our name, the the negative expectations or assumptions that might hinder us from being who God created us to be. But even if you don't feel that particular struggle, you know, there's still that positive vision for who you are meant to be that is worth revisiting. What are the ways that you want the Holy Spirit to make you more like Christ? So at the, the table at the sanctuary doors in the back, we have some little cards, and they have a very simplified, you know, kind of a simplified and modernized version of this prayer Like trying to drill down to the heart of what's being said. And we'll have new cards for each Sunday in this series to go with the prayer that we're looking at. And so the purpose of those is to encourage you to to take that home, put that on your fridge or your nightstand or in the book you're reading right now or wherever you're going to see it regularly so that it can be an encouragement to make this a prayer for you for this week. And it's something that we can do as a community so that now it's not just a prayer for me, it's a prayer from me on behalf of this whole group of people, my whole church, and so i invite you to be part of this community in that, to try to pray this prayer each day or a few times this week, knowing that others are doing this with you. And maybe taking that moment to pause, to, to listen to God for a time, creating some space for God to bless you. And I believe there are personal blessings to be found in this, certainly. But it's, this is also part of a larger plan, I guess. And I'll start talking about it in a lot more detail next Sunday. But working with our deacons, we want to spend some time in February and March engaging with all of you in discerning our our future as a church. You know, last fall was really our first full season of ministry that was kind of post-pandemic, where we really were in this new normal everyone kept talking about. And so we got the chance to see where things really stood after a couple of years of pandemic. And we know that it's been a season that involved quite a bit of loss, with with members passing away, with a few people moving away. Like other churches and organizations, we face a shortage in volunteers. We face costs that are rising just like your own bills are these days. And this is not doom and gloom talk. This is just reality talk. And God has seen Faith Baptist Church through much, much harsher realities than that over the years. He has good things for our future. Please have no doubt in that. But we have to think about what those things are and what those things might be. We need to talk about them together. We need to pray about that. And so for this week, we're going to get that prayer started. And a prayer about expanding our territory and guiding us by God's hand and keeping us from harm, well, that is a good prayer for a church, too. So let me pray the prayer that I'm inviting you all to pray alongside me and us this week as we close. God of all, Bless me so that I can bless those around me for your sake. Be near me and protect me so that I can be who you created me to be. Amen.